What have you got there, mate? Just a glass of wine. All right. How is it? It's all right, I guess. I mean, obviously, it's not really delicious, like a pint from Beer 52. Well, it's a good job that this episode of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is sponsored by Beer 52, the world's number one beer club. With Beer 52, you'll receive a case of beer every month featuring craft beers from all over the world, including Belgium, California, New Zealand and more. As well as getting eight free beers, you'll also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment, as well as a couple of different snacks. Perfect for a night in, or an innocent picnic in the park. For the last time, it was a picnic. You couldn't see the snacks. We had two different types of snacks. Best of all, you can pause or cancel your membership at any time, so you don't need to worry about the ombudsman coming to get you if you want to take a break from your membership. So seriously, what are you waiting for? If you want to get started with a free case of beer, head to beer52.com forward slash peep to access your first case for free. Eight beers, Beer 52. Eight. That's insane. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. And don't worry if you're not a fan of dark beers, there is a light option available. So that's beer52.com forward slash peep to get your first Beer 52 case for free. Poor me. Poor me. Pour me another glass from Beer 52. Cheers. Cheers. to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, a podcast all about discussing and reviewing the British sitcom Peep Show. My name's Tom Harrison and I'm joined by Rob Graham. Hello. And this week we'll be discussing episode two of series two, which is titled Jeremy Makes It. Okay, so here's our synopsis for the episode. Reunited with an old acquaintance from his school days, Jeremy manages to persuade Gog, the man he once bullied, to allow him to produce the soundtrack for a short film he's made. As expected though, the small success goes straight to his head with interesting results. Meanwhile, Mark has made a friend, one who shares his interest and love for military history. There's just one problem with him. So, to start off the series, I feel like we have had very strong episodes back-to-back. What do you think of it, Rob? I know last week you were calling out Dance Class as one of the best of the entire show, so how does this one fare? Yeah, I, I think this is a really good episode. I think it might top Dance Class, in fairness. I think just the just the dynamic of the characters, and I love the fact that we see Jeremy and Mark sort of go their separate ways in this episode in the in the way that they both find somebody else that's not the other one. And it makes them realise that they are actually probably, or makes us realise we they probably are the best sort of fit for each other. They can't cope with people that are outside of their yeah little group of, 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 of the, the, the pair of them. Yeah, well, as I said a moment ago, I feel like we've had two great episodes back to back to start the new series. And... It's quite funny in that we've gone from Gwyn, who's a side character, who I think we can safely say oh, most people... God, I hate him. ...truly love, <laughs> I know you had quite a bit to say about him. And then we've gone to Gog, who I think he's regarded as quite a classic side character, in my opinion. He's quite... He's memorable. And it's great to see how Jeremy behaves with even the slightest success, because we've only ever known him to sort of fall after fall with his music career. Like, yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. ever really seems to go right with him. And we've got a little bit of success here. And we get a few of those over the whole the, the whole course of the show. And this is sort of our first one. And it's, it's interesting to see how he behaves and adjusts to that success. Yeah, for sure. And I think that his behaviour matched my expectations, like, pretty much perfectly. <laughs> um, which is really fun to watch. Um, and then we also have Daryl. And, and that's a second unique sort of one-episode side character in the same episode. And that's something which... 
I don't think we've seen before. No, I can't think of any. Yeah, and I, and I don't think um, off the top of my head that there are any episodes like throughout the entire show where that happens. Yeah. But Daryl, he's an interesting side character, and <laughs> it's a shame that he has this sort of huge problem, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to discuss at great length, because otherwise, he's a, he's a good fit for Mark. Again, he's not a... As, as a character, he's not a nice character, is he? He's got one major, major, major character flaw. <laughs> um, but actually, to watch, as the viewer, he's he's a great character to yeah, watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, right, let's dive into the episode yeah. then. So we open with what looks like some sort of garden party. Um, and I don't know where this is, because they live in a block of flats. Yes. Um, I don't know whether there's some sort of like communal they garden. They book somewhere out in the green streets of Croydon, perhaps. Potentially, yeah. 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 Um, so Tony and Tony are announcing that they're getting married again. And you just think, who would have thought that? With the last time we've sort of seen them, they've sort of openly accepted Jeremy as some sort of weird third wheel yeah. that's like <laughs> admitted that he loves Tony. And they're giving it a go with a sort of... Quite, like Marriages are very traditionally like... Monogamous, monogamous yeah. yeah like sort of concept and male Tony acknowledges that they made a few mistakes the first time round um, like Jeremy having sex with Tony while that like he was in the other room yeah just going through the CDs yeah. what's mine what's yours but he sort of makes a joke out of it doesn't he and he says sure we made a few mistakes the first time round but now uh, we've got the chance to make them all over again <laughs> And it gets a good reception, like, everyone's laughing. Oh, it's just a light bit of banter, but Tony, female Tony, just flies off the handle, doesn't she? She's like... <laughs> Already he starts with the jokes. At least one of us is serious about actually giving this a fucking go. So she storms <laughs> straight off. Um, and then we can see that Jeremy and Superhands are, are sort of in the crowd watching um, the speech. And they both sort of acknowledge to each other that they both slept with her. And Which is really... Why have they been invited in the first place? Like, why have they gone to this party when they're... In- when Tony and Tony are announcing they're getting married, like getting married again, and two people that she slept with yeah. are at the party. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't really even thought about that. Yeah. Why would like, male Tony think, yeah, sure, like just invite him along? Yeah, unless unless everyone at the party is somebody that she's previously slept <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah, maybe. But they're they're comparing notes, aren't they? As they superhands going, you did, didn't you? Yeah. Going, well, and, yeah, and, and you did. Yeah, and just seems pretty bothered about it still. Like the way he says it, his tone's like, yeah. And you, you did. did. Yeah. yeah I think true. he wants that sort of conversation about them having both slept just to he end. He wants to move it on. Yeah, he? like yeah. he still seems a little bit cut up about it. And he then like talks out loud, doesn't he? He asks Hans what he's got with him. And Superhands casually reveals that he's brought his crack pipe to the yeah. party. And Jeremy seems really surprised, but I'm not really sure. I suppose he's at a garden party, a, uh, a marriage garden party, isn't he? Like, that's why he's surprised. <laughs> so I say, he's surprised. why is he surprised that Superhands bringing Class A drugs somewhere? Mm. But it, it's surprised, but not shocked. It's, yeah, he's not he's like, like, what? Crack, like Superhands. He's, he's kind of like, what? Crack? Yeah. <laughs> and Hans is just so casual about it. Like, Hans just turns around and goes, chill out, it's not Blue Peter. Like, yeah. just have a nice, relaxing smoke of crack. And I think that we talked last week about um, explaining some of the British references for our American um, yeah. listeners. So, obviously, Blue Peter is a kids' TV show with sort of various, um, like, adventure-type things. They've been making stuff in the studio. It was a bit of, like, a magazine show for kids. Yeah, that's a good way yeah. of describing it. Um, yeah. But one of the presenters on there was Richard Bacon, who was... who got sacked because he was snorting cocaine and smoking cannabis and got done uh, quite prominently for it. Uh, I didn't um, know that. No, so he basically, the presenter, one of the children's uh, children's TV executives basically had to go onto the show and explain to the children that were watching it 
why Richard Bacon wasn't going to be on Blue oh, Peter wow. anymore. So there actually is a bit of relevance to when he goes, it's not Blue Peter talking about taking drugs. Oh, okay. That adds in, yeah, a different layer, because I just thought it was like a... It's not relaxing, Blue Peter. It's not yeah. children's TV, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, that's quite... Uh, no, there's a lot that's of... That's quite clever for a Yeah, band, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but that conversation's interrupted, because Jeremy sees out the corner of his eye a former school friend, isn't he? Yeah, so dog, dog. Yeah. And he refers to him as, he says, if you're going to run up and sneeze in someone's face, you do it in his face. <laughs> yeah. And you, you think that the way that Jeremy describes him, that he's going to go over and he's still going to have that sort of, like, superiority over some over somebody else. But as soon as he goes over, the, the dynamic of them, when he, when Jeremy sort of realises what Gog's like now, yeah, we're the not dynamic in sort of changes. <laughs> um, well, they, yeah, they're like... Presumably, like fifteen-ish years out since they've probably yeah. seen each other, um, and Gog's quite understandably surprised to see Jez there. And Gog probably thinks that Jeremy has changed in the same way that his that we find out that Gog's changed. But Jez's response when Gog asks him what he's doing at the party, he just says, "Wouldn't you like to know, you big prick?" and just like nipple cripples yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so um, it's so childish. Like it's just he's living back in that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like. I lauded it over you over you at school because I was better than you or you were one of the, like, loser kids. Yeah. And now he just presumes, like, 15 years later, no one's grown up at all. Yeah. So while Jeremy still has the mind of a 12-year-old, Gog turns out that he's quite successful. He's made himself. Yeah, he's wearing a nice nice brown leather jacket, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, he comes out with such a management sort of like hiring, firing and perspiring. Coming out with the full like David Brent. He's wearing the sort of Sergio Giorgini jacket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, this is the sort of thing that Johnson would probably say. Yeah, like, yeah, Hiring, yeah. firing and perspiring. I, yeah. I, I like it. But it's another example. As soon as Jez starts this conversation, it's another way that Jeremy realises that he's not actually been very successful yeah it's um, quite quickly like you say the dynamic flips and Gog is the one that's actually like yeah fine you might like the way he doesn't even react to the nipple cripple because he knows that he can just he, he knows then oh Jez is exactly the same as he was 15 years ago yeah yeah you're not you're not on the same level as me like yeah. just let's just like we've established that nice and early but then Jez responds then like he attempts to belittle him even further and he refers to a time when Jez and his mates paid Gog to, like a fiver to, quote, wank off Perch's dog. <laughs> and Jez just, he sounds like the sort of school kid that everyone would just hate. But when, like, Gog clearly realises when Jeremy keeps going back to these sort of, like, mocking him and trying to relate back to the school days, Gog realises that Jeremy hasn't, like, grown up at all. And so Gog realises he's got the upper hand, doesn't he? Um, and sort of lords it over him, becomes a big man. Um, and that just it gets worse and worse or, or better and better depending on whose point of view you're looking at it from um, and as soon as he gets to the point to drop in that he's got work with Honda he then this is when he drops a sort of like golden nugget that he's been in the studio for three hours looking for a soundtrack that doesn't suck up yeah he's like and I've got this is light bulb moment for Jez and it's, it's, it's his in, isn't it, to explain yeah, if he's a musician so. and like, oh, I could do the track. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, we've heard Jeremy's music. We know his music also sucks <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, but, so there's no, going to be no more nipple crippling anymore. He's uh, goes straight to sort of like... Yeah, I'm going to pretend we've got a really positive relationship yeah, now exactly. rather than how I was just behaving. But Gog doesn't seem too keen at all, but suggests like in the same way that any sort of like professional or businessman is like... Yeah, maybe let's. Yeah, we'll we'll meet up about it. We'll have a chat. Oh, it feels like he's humouring him a bit. Like, yeah, maybe we should 
maybe we should catch up and talk about it's it. It's just it's good. just to shut Jez up, really. Isn't yeah. It? But then Superhands then comes over and it's like, tell you what, that crack is really Moorish. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> just got like those bulging eyes. Yeah, and there's something that's uh, um, and it only sort of like confirms Gog's fears about like, oh, geez, like this is your like production partner. Yeah. Like this can only go sort of one way. Um, but we're, we're left wondering sort of where Mark is. We've not seen him at the party. And it turns out that it's because he's on a Saturday shift at work. And he seems to be doing some cold calling. Yeah, maybe he's not quite the big dog that we think he's going to think he is. It's, it's weird because we know that he's a loan manager. But perhaps it's sort of... And it's something that's m- much more common now where job titles are sort of like heavily sort of spruced up yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah, but yeah the fact he's in on a Saturday is quite surprising and the fact that he's also he's not in there finishing off a case file or something is he he's in there he's, he's in there just trying to drum up business yeah exactly seems quite strange but Sophie sort of walks past him and she gets a glance as she goes past um, and he makes another comment about her lovely soft face but they're clearly not as we left it at the end of last week he was putting a hand into his uh, putting his hand into her face and after he'd been caught stalking. So yes. they're clearly not on, on particularly good terms. But Mark is then, his misery sort of compounded when Jeff walks over uh, like, and sort of canoodles with her a little bit, doesn't he? He's quite handsy with he, her. Yeah, he gets a bit cosy, doesn't yeah, he? Um, and Jeff's working on the Stockport contract, presumably with Sophie in some capacity, which they're, they're going to be doing quite a lot of one-on-one. Yeah, and Mark knows stuff. that. And he's saying it's a sort of like, he acknowledges that it's a great opportunity for him to get back in with Sophie. And we've seen a few times already that Jeff's pretty good at sort of getting back in Sophie's Oh, it just books. irritates me. I know we talked last week about Sophie and how much I dislike Sophie, but, like, Jeff's got in pretty bloody quickly. Well, it's like I said, he seems to be pretty good at it. He's got form for yeah. it. Yeah, and I, sp- I suppose if she's drifting from a couple of dates with Jeff to then going away with Mark to then... Yeah, she bounces Jeff back again. and forth. And like we saw, the whole, the whole, the fact that there was an email chain that was... Mark versus Jeff yeah. just proves that she's very willing to just explore each avenue and whichever one sort of takes her fancy. Yeah, and he he he's got Mark right where he wants him now at this point, hasn't he? He turns to him and he's like, "See you later, gays." What? Mark rises the base so quickly, yeah. and Jeff just winks at him, doesn't he? And he's just like, "See you later, guys." But he said this to get Mark's attention, and then he sort of turns up and shouts off after Sophie, doesn't he? Sophie, see you back at my place, thirty-three Ringfield Road. You'd bring the vino. And then turns around to Mark, he's just like, I've got the massage oil. <laughs> yeah, and he rubs his hands together, doesn't he? Yeah. And it's like, and yeah, gives him the wing and laughs, and it's just. I bloody love Jeff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate him, but I love him. Like, because Mark is our hero, we're, we're designed to hate Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, as a character within the show, as like an antagonist to Mark, he's pretty, is amazing. Yeah, he's pretty perfect. Yeah, and he just, like, I said. I said in a, I might have said it at the end of the last year, it's like, he's just so annoying, but he just, he's so brilliant. Yeah, um, and, and like you say, it's classic Jeff, and Mark even knows himself when he's, he's saying to himself, he hasn't got any massage oil, he's trying to make me obsess about massage oil, and it's worked. Yeah, so he's trying to make me obsess about it, and it's worked, like yeah. he admits it himself that he's got <laughs> so he, his skin. He knows it's all a ruse, but he's still getting annoyed about it. Yeah, and he's left behind, isn't he? Stuck with the new guy who we've not been introduced to, and he comments to himself that the break with him was going to be like a pain fest trying to chat. But as as he turns away, the new guy launches a paper ball at him. Yeah, um, and Mark immediately sees it as a, 
an act of uh, like he's aggression. like he's being ridiculed or mocked again. Yeah, and so he sort of then regrets the fact that he he didn't make him a, a cup of tea when he made yeah. his own. <laughs> but then when Daryl makes a gesture to his phone, like he implies that he's got some sort of like nightmare person on the phone. Mark's like, oh, right, he's making a joke. Like, I can, I can, I can engage with him on. Uh, yeah, we're on a similar, similar level here. And Mark's, I think Mark's just not used to people making jokes. He's not used to people having that sort of relationship with him. I think, yeah, like having that relationship straight off the bat. The fact that these guys have never even spoken. To but this each is other. just a normal guy. It's not John. We don't know Mark's relationship with, other than with Jeff, who we know he hates, Sophie, who he loves. And Johnson, who he loves. Yeah. We don't really know his relationship with the Joe Bloggs and in average, the office. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, it's an interesting point. But Daryl sort of comes out with quite a... Like, he turns out to be quite funny. He he, throw, he throw, gets Mark involved. And whilst he's speaking on the phone, Mark is surprised when he sort of starts saying, he's like, OK, great. You sure you don't need a loan? Maybe for some therapy to help you speak properly. Mark is that horrifying. Because it's different it. from the status quo. It's different from what like you you follow the rules. If there like if there was if we didn't need to follow the rules, there wouldn't be a rule. Yeah, book. yeah, exactly. But Daryl quickly turns to him and he's like, "It's alright, he'd already hung up." Yeah, if I was to laugh. And Mark like, thinks it's hilarious. And then he's like, "I don't know about you, but I could like I'm so bored, I could eat a fucking stapler." Um, and then we know that like Daryl's going to be alright. Yeah, mean, not alright in the a... sense of he's got like we'll get on to why he's not all right later on but he's going to be a a norm yeah he's going to make normal. the episode interesting well he well at this point he's lulling us into a major like <laughs> yeah. major like false sense of security here yeah um so we know that it's a saturday and we can presume that it's an evening shift as jeff and sophie are making their way home and jeff's saying about yeah i hadn't really thought home. about that actually yeah and mark and daryl decide to sort of have a bit of a play fight on the on the the stairs um and this is something that mark would never do normally so it seems daryl's bringing out a much more sort of fun side of mark in the workplace yeah and and yeah and this and the second that he's now doing this sort of slightly rebellious thing he's so excited this is crazy i should be working i should be working but i'm not yeah and he, so he's creeping up the stairs and he's, he's got like a, a paper ball in his hand and he's trying to sort of find daryl who turns out he's at the top of the stairs yeah, and he's, yeah, yeah. he's sort of built this like trap like a, like a fortress of, type thing yeah, isn't it? yeah out of the sort of like the water cooler tanks <laughs> i see you i'm barnes wallace you're the raw <laughs> He shouts out that I'm Barnes Wallace, you're the Ruh. Yeah. And like I didn't even I didn't get that reference, but you can you immediately you don't even need you to. You know get it's it. a nerdy type reference. So yeah, in the Second World War, um the British basically set up a series of sort of raids to knock down dams that the Germans were using for sort of other means. Um and Barnes Wallace was one of the commanders who was in charge of organising the the aeroplanes basically fly over, dropping yeah. the bouncing bombs. He d- he, he was the developer of the bouncing bombs. Yeah. So, so, but Mark seems to have met his match, doesn't he? In sort of the nerd stakes. Yeah, he seems with this to guy. Like... The fact that he's <laughs> dropping references like Barnes Wallace. He's like, and no one's mentioned Dambusters. Yeah, this is perfect for him. Like Mark must be absolutely like loving. Yeah, this. yeah. And the, the the whole thing like they're essentially recreating the bouncing bombs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, Daryl shouting out, "You're the roar!" So they're completely recreating it, which is something that will sort of lead on to the, the military reenactments yeah. later. But there's so many, like, and we don't know about Daryl's sort of interests, but as soon as he starts talking about, sort of they're, they're, they're really into the specifics of this historical thing, like, Mark realises he's he's found his one. Yeah, <laughs> and he says, this is bloody brilliant, I'm actually having fun. And then they take, from that, they go from sort of one shenanigan to another, and 
Daryl's managed to convince Mark to take part in an office prank. Go on. I can't. I'll just imagine it's Ian's cock. <laughs> <laughs> They're sticking a, a sausage to uh, this guy. Um, Ian Krause, who we don't know who he is, do we? We've not no. been introduced to him, but we presume he's one of the... Presumably a bigwig if he's got his own... Yeah, he's, he's got, got his own, own office. Box. So Mark's loving it. He's like, I've got a friend. I've made a friend. Maybe there's nothing wrong with me and I'm a normal human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because Mark Mark doesn't have a, a wide group of friends at all. He, he's stuck with Jeremy since uni and we've talked about how that sort of could have been down to just proximity and sort of prolonged... Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> yeah. um, and he, he sort of made Johnson as a friend, but we saw that as... Hit and miss. And it's also, that's not an equal part, it's not an equal relationship, is it? Exactly, but here Mark's just sort of had like his his dream friend just fall from the sky and into his lap, and we know there's there's going to be much more to Daryl than sort of we see here, but for now, like, this is sort of Mark's dream situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we jump back into Jez, don't we, who's gone to Gog's house, who's Seems to have quite a nice swanky little house, doesn't he? Mm. Quite a swanky big house, um, and he's playing Gog some of his music um, from the little bit. Like it's not a song that we've heard before. It's not one of his. It's open, not outrageous. Not outrageous, but it doesn't sound like it's great. It does doesn't. It? And in his internal monologue, Jez is hoping. Hope he doesn't know it was me who did the shit in his mum's airing cupboard. Please like my music, you lanky wanker. Please, please let me do the music for your Honda film. Like he's got no, he's got no interest in making friends with. Gog, has he? He's, he's not... He just wants to use him. Yeah, he just needs to use him, abuse him, hire fire and perspire. Like, <laughs> yeah, he just exactly. needs to get in and out and get the job done. And we, we don't seem to get really a reaction from Gog. He plays it quite coolly. Well, he's still trying to do the whole, like, acting smug, like, lording it over him, isn't he? And then you get that sort of, like, this has become really mean with the I want a kebab. Yeah, um, this is, just... like, it's infamous almost yeah. now. Like, it's so heavily quoted and mean. Hey, you know what I fancy right now? A kebab. Will you go down and get me a kebab? Gold's clearly just messing with him. Yeah, um, what can he get? Like, how can he get Jez to behave? He's just getting get back at him for school, isn't he? That's all it is. It's just, like, revenge. Yeah. Um, but Jeremy falls for a hook, line, and sinker. He's so desperate to make it. Yeah, he's a bit thrown off. He's and he's not sure what actually really what's going on. He's like, you want me to... And then Gog switches back up on him, and it's just like... He just holds out a tenner, doesn't it? Yeah, he's like, so... It's so awkward, it's so painful. He holds out the money, he's just like... I want a kebab. He doesn't even order him to do it, it's just a... It's a fact. Like, yeah. I want the kebab. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to let that it's hang like, out there, yeah. and what are you going to... Are and you going to say anything Jeremy's on that? Jeremy's like, or? what, really? And he's like, no! I can't believe you're going to go and get me a kebab! I wasn't. Well, I want one now. <laughs> yeah. Like, he just completely messes with him for a couple of minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And Gog just, yeah, keeps going back and back and back on this. Mm, yeah, and so like, Gog's enjoying it, and he knows he's putting on a bit of a show for his, yeah, like, yeah, three, yeah. like, sort of lackeys yeah, that, are, that they're plugged in and doing their work. They're all sort of laughing at Jeremy's expense. And Jeremy just sort of has to keep going along with it, because the second he's just like, you're absolutely mugging me off here, yeah, like, then what, Gog's going to say... Do? Right, on your bike, then no Honda contracts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, so he just gets back and forth, back and forth, and in the end, Gog just like, no, I'm shitting you, Jez. But he tells him that he's not. Then we find out that after all that, Jez isn't the only one that he's considering him. So he gives him his sort of like creative brief, if you will. Yeah. And, and Jez is ready there to sort of. He's got his like little notepad and pen out, and and Gog's is the, the brief is so bad. But it's just like what I want something classic. You remember the theme tune from Jaws? Well, I don't want anything like that, obviously. I want something completely different. I want something that when people hear it, they'll immediately go, yeah. 
like you said, the brief is like next to useless, and Jeremy knows it, but he wants to come across as professional and that he's taken on board what Gog's saying, so he's like, starts pretending to write. He's like, can't just write not Jaws. <laughs> yeah, just do pretend, just right? Do pretend, which Gog immediately calls him out and is like, You're, are you pretending to write? Yeah, and Jeremy's I'm, like, no. Yes, very perceptive of Gog. I don't think I would notice if someone was pretending to write. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's scrutinising Jeremy pretty heavy there, I feel. He's definitely putting him under pressure. So Jeremy's having a hard time at work. Mark doesn't seem to be having a good day either. No, um, so we arrive at JLB and Mark has found himself in a HR meeting of some sort and Johnson's there and what we can presume is some sort of HR rep, but it's not Barbara. Yeah, and it's not Ian Krause. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so they're questioning him about the sausage incident. Yeah, and this is a really different side to Johnson. Like we've seen him doing the whole like managerial like bullshit type thing where he's sort of coming out with these great words that aren't don't really mean anything. Um, and we've seen him sort of lording it over people. We've seen him trying to deliver training, but this is the first time we've had to see him sort of serious and managerial. So we but, sort but of they don't know that it's Mark yet though. No, they don't. Mark's inquiries. doing his best to try and like I suppose it's only in his monologue, but Mark's doing his best to try and like act guilty almost isn't he yeah he's he's very panicky yeah. and he's wondering like if they'll even get forensics in and he's got himself so worked up that he then actually goes to grab the sausage in an attempt to sort of like preemptively cancel out the, the fact the, that they the, might get forensics yeah exactly check it, yeah. and then we get this sort of thinly veiled attempt of just like oh, oh I shouldn't I shouldn't have done that my prince will be all over who, it who now who do you think he's working for <laughs> yeah, like, I know but Johnson's follow up is brilliant isn't he and he's just like we're having to treat this as a racial incident. And Mark's like, what? Like a racial incident? And Johnson's like, oh, come on, Mark. Germans. Sausages. Do I have to spell it out? The sausage-munching Bosch. Fritz, the bratwurst guzzler. <laughs> like, he's so, like... <laughs> you wouldn't get... Somebody would complain about that now. Well, and, yeah, and he's just like, a, a HR rep. Yeah. Like, you can't... But Johnson's the big dog, and he no one cares. Like, Johnson can say okay. what he likes. Um, and, like, Mark really doesn't seem to understand. But I don't know whether... Obviously, we find out that Daryl, in the next couple of scenes, we find out that he's uh, a little bit racist, shall we say. So... Did Mark, when he did this, think of it as being... He wouldn't ever have considered it being a racial incident, would he? No, I think he's under sort of Daryl's spell a bit. I think he's just caught up. Yeah, and I think, I think if Mark thought about it... But at the point that he touches the sausage, he doesn't even know it's a racial incident. So we jump back to the flat, and Mark's telling Daryl about the meeting that he's had. But it's interesting that Daryl doesn't get called into the meeting. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, so he's telling Daryl and he's known nothing about it and this is where the sort of the cracks emerge in Daryl's sort of character. Yeah, and he's sort of he's questioning the racial line of the inquiry, isn't he? And comments is like, next you won't be able to get a black coffee. And Mark's like surprisingly he's just like, Exactly, and they'll have bloody EU banana straightening machines. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's very quick to chime in with Well, I think at the moment they Mark just seems to think that it's the PC gone mad sort of attitude. Yeah, yeah, which which he which he has said numerous times in the first series, like it's political correctness gone mad. Exactly. So they're still very much on the same. Well, at least in Mark's eyes, they're on the same page. Yeah. And then Daryl sort of makes a 
a comment on the, 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 the EU banana straightening machine that is not sort of racially charged. Yeah, or it's, have any political it's, motive. It's just sexist, isn't it? it? Yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah, it goes from one bad thing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm not saying sexism yeah. is right. No, no. Yeah, but, yeah. like, it's not... And I'm not saying sexism is better or worse but as a characteristic the spotlight flaw than off that have, have racist Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so he's, he makes a comment saying, there's already a banana straightening machine. It's called Woman. Oh, it's like the joke of two lame guys <laughs> in a flight who clearly aren't getting any from anywhere. They're just like, we, 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 we sleep with women very, very occasionally. Yeah, yeah. and, and my, yeah, like you say, Mark yeah. Gig was like a little girl, yeah, didn't he? Like, like, <laughs> You're talking about sex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and out of nowhere, Daryl just starts going after Sophie, like, t- when, they, like when they've been sort of talking about women, and then just like, yeah, like, there's no context to it. He's just like, take that Sophie, yeah. going over to Jeff's right in your face like that. So that's the behaviour of a world-class bitch. And Daryl, obviously calling Sophie a bitch, Mark is so easily swayed by what Daryl's saying. He's like, oh, I'm go, go on, say it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it. Like, internally, he's like, I'm going to say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Like, it's the worst thing he's ever said. Um, and Daryl sort of introduces us to what they're watching on the TV, doesn't he? He just points out, ask Clarkson. He knows. And Mark's like, yeah, good old Clarkson. And to be fair, everyone's got their opinions on Jeremy Clarkson. Like, at this point in 2000 and... This would presumably be in 2004. Yep, yeah. sounds about right. Um, like, Jeremy Clarkson was a very, very big name yeah, like, at that point. Yeah, like, all the way through the first half of the... Or the first sort of 10 years of the 21st century, like, Jeremy Clarkson was one of them. There were there were campaigns for Jeremy Clarkson to, like, run for being an MP and, like... Yeah, so perhaps this is another thing of going into Jeremy Clarkson for any sort of knowledge. Yeah, so he, so basically he was he was a journalist, wasn't he? Like, well, yeah. he, is, he is a journalist. Quite a controversial British journalist. So comes out with quite a few... Very outspoken. Very outspoken yeah. things. Um, he was the presenter of a British like car magazine programme called Top Gear, which I think there's most people are going to have heard of, sort of recognition. Um, and he, again, he left that under quite acrimonious circumstances. He'd, he'd got himself into quite a lot of trouble whilst on the show. He'd done yeah. quite a few things that were quite dodgy um, and then basically punched one of the producers um, yes. when he was that was the final struggle and, and so he was then sacked by the BBC and so he was rewarded with an Amazon yeah, so Prime now, show yeah, so he's now like worth a... about 40 billion <laughs> yeah, exactly um, so fun. yeah that's who Jeremy Clarkson is but at this point when they're talking about him he's, he was massive he was huge Typ- not not necessarily typical of like a, a man like a man like the, the epitome of man but epitome of sticking it to the government and like yeah n- everything that's good about Britain it's like what Jeremy Clarkson stands for, fast cars. And, well, and Daryl says it, doesn't he? He's like, people like fast cars, they're like females with big boobies, and they don't want the Euro, and that's that's all there is to it. Like, and that's Clarkson's attitude, but I think probably epitomised the opinion of quite a lot of people Yeah. back in, tw- in 2004. And to be fair, we're, 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 we're banging in the middle of Brexit happening, and yeah, it's, it's quite it's similar to now. Like People don't want the Euro, 52% of this population don't want the Euro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it's sort of gone. It's gone round again. It's it's interesting how they go from talking about banana straightening machines, women with big boobies, and then they suddenly take a, a, a left turn, and it becomes like maybe not sophisticated, like a bit more intellectual, in that they suddenly start discussing military history, which we know Mark's a big fan of. Turns yeah, Daryl's a big fan. Well, the program they watch on the TV, they obviously change the channel, don't they? Because Clarkson presumably isn't anything to do with this military history program yes so there's a show yeah that's about military history and they're walking around with it and like Daryl makes a comment about like I'd like to see people I'd like to see them moving that quickly with oh with like a real machine yeah 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 
So that they they then switch it up to to that, but then we then start to see Daryl sort of slip and slide into sort of reveal his true character. Yeah, he, Mark when, asks him if he wants to get some food, doesn't he? Yes. So Daryl sort of casually picks up one of the menus, I think, and says, mm, "Don't really fancy a chinky. Have you got a pizza menu?" Mark, Mark, Mark doesn't seem to either doesn't either doesn't acknowledge what he said. Or just sort of he's quite blasé about it. Gives him, gives him the, the yeah for the first one, and so and I think he's worried about still wanting like they're still sort of bonding. They're very new friends, and, and we know like in a couple of scenes time, Mark doesn't call people out on stuff, so Mark doesn't challenge people. Yeah, and it would be interesting if we had some of Mark's internal monologue here at the moment. Yeah, that just he says going, the word. oh my god, like I've realised what he is type. Yeah, thing. But, but even but he doesn't realise what. He, we don't see that he realises that he's genuinely racist for quite a while. Yeah, we don't get that sort of yeah, internal response. So instead we get the out loud sort of casual response and that is, oh, about a million. Um, and I, and they, so they, they, they've been talking about the, what's going on on the TV, haven't they? And they've, so they've said about the, the, carrying the real guns and that's got Mark's interest. So he's like, you know about that sort of thing? And Daryl's like, oh, yeah, it's just reenactments. Like, we do World War Two stuff can be a hell of a laugh, like, just guys together, like, trying to... You know, and to be fair, if you're into that sort of thing, doing reenactments is quite a cool... Quite very, a cool thing within that circle. Yeah, very um, at Mark Street. Yeah. But, well, like, you'd think he would think that that was amazing, but in his head, he's a bit cynical about it, and he makes a comment about, mm, probably sounds more fun than they are. So Mark offers him um, another beer. He's like, another beer, G? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah like, just, um, and so as he goes into the kitchen, we see hands just... Literally just like monging out in the kitchen, appearing to smoke crap. Yeah, and, and and Mark, I think he knows by now to just not get involved with yeah. it, and he walks past and just like, God, what is he taking? Better not disturb him. He might attack me. He just doesn't sick. trust people on drugs. Doesn't no. He? So um, he goes to find Jez, doesn't he? And asks what Hans is doing in the kitchen. And when Jez glances, like Jez just looks over really casually and it's just like. Oh, he's honking on his crack pipe. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark's like, I think Mark's annoyed. It's his flat, ultimately. Like, I imagine Jez and Hans have done a lot of drugs in the flat. Well, yeah, they had the that binge party, didn't they? Exa- where, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but I think the issue seems to be that Mark has got Daryl over, his new friend who he's still trying to he's a impress. So he just wants, like, that is the trigger. But but Jez comes up with one of sort of. One of my, I think this is like my favourite quote of the whole episode. Oh, I'm Mark. I'm in the 80s. I'm dying of heroin in a puddle in the corner in an advert. Drugs are fine, Mark. Everyone agrees now. Drugs are what happened to people, and that's fine, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing really Mark can say back to that, is there? No. And Mark was trying to come back with something better. And then Jez's phone beeps, isn't it? And he does that amazing, like, ah, ha, 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 yeah. like, great laugh. And it's him, it's Gog telling Jez that he's got the commission, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's like super, like, he is ecstatic. And like, this is sort of what he probably thinks this is his big break. Well, Jeremy's made it, like, it's the name of the episode. Yeah, like. exa- exactly. So it's his first sort of real music job, but it's just, he's like <laughs> drunk with the success immediately. Yeah. Um, and, and Mark actually, he congratulates him, and it's. He's actually quite um, sincere about it. But Jeremy's just not very... like Je- Jeremy's showing no humility. No. Like, Mark's just like... He's, he's like laughing in Mark's face, isn't he? He's like, 
Um, Shove it up your ass. Shove yeah. it up your ass. And he's just like, Mark's like, I'm pleased for you. Like, stop it. And Jeremy's like, sure you are. So pleased I've gone straight to the finish line on my enormous bike while you're still jogging along for miles in the rat race with all the other rats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and Mark still actually, he takes the high ground. He doesn't lash out. And we know that their relationship can get very petty very quickly yeah, yeah, in the yeah. way that they bicker. But Mark doesn't lash out. And he's just like, yes. And I think it's I think it's great, <laughs> but Jez is still very juvenile. It's, well, in that case, you won't mind if I take you out for a very expensive meal. And Mark's like, I'm not that hungry. <laughs> There's bollocks we're going. <laughs> it's like, you will have fun against your will. So they go out for this nice meal. They go for a, a curry, but they take Daryl. I suppose they're just about to order a takeaway, aren't they? So they they have to take Daryl with them. But they, they, what's funny is they leave hands. He's just presumably just still back at the flat. Like, well, away. <laughs> yeah. So, but Jeremy, Jeremy isn't actually. Although Daryl comes along, it's like your kid brother bringing along their mate to come and play football when you don't really want them to, isn't it? It's like Jeremy isn't too happy that Mark's invited Daryl. Um, he's like he's boring, and Mark's it's so defensive of him. And I wonder whether it's because um, Jeremy's jealous of like that Mark's yeah. found somebody else. I do. I think. It, Jez quite quickly gets threatened. Like when Johnson came along, yeah, Jez yeah. was very threatened by it, and he's probably used to. Like I was saying earlier, Mark doesn't doesn't make friends regularly. So when he does, Jez is going to be like, "Oh Jesus!" Like this person likes him and he likes them. Like this is like almost unheard of. Yeah, like I've I made friends with him just by wearing him down over the years. <laughs> yeah. Like this guy's actually come along and genuinely seems to quite like him. <laughs> So we don't very, very often see Jeremy have to compete, do we? But he, d- he really doesn't seem to like him. And like Mark, but Mark is really defensive when Jeremy calls him boring. And Mark's like, what? Because he doesn't go around with a haircut and a, an iPod and piercings and a strap on. Strap on. It's an example. <laughs> I think it's suitable like fourth thing. Um, and it just proves like that's what makes people cool, according to Mark. Is like fair enough. Like yeah, iPods. Like having a nice haircut. But a strap on, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure about. <laughs> so the meal um, arrival. Uh, Daryl comes over, doesn't he? And three beers the for three, the three musketeers. Yeah, oh, the three musketeers. I can't remember what the line they was. They do that thing where it's like, ah. Yeah, sort of trumping the, the old dude brothers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and you can you can tell Jez is a bit like he he's the last to sort of get involved, and you can tell he's a bit like, oh, hang on a minute, what's this like? This this thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this they, isn't what we do. Yeah. Uh, so the food arrives, and Jeremy like. Turns to the waiter and was like, oh, we actually ordered three pilau rices and three Peshwari naans. And Mark sort of chimes back in and says, oh, I changed the order. We like we always have rice left. It's Mark being really like a stickler for the rules. Or not a stickler for the rules, that's not the right phrase. But like, it's just the, the usual. Yeah, like the sensible, like the status quo. This is what we have. It's like my mum like and dad, when they order a Chinese takeaway, order the same thing every single time. Yeah, Don't I mean, deviate from the order. This yeah. is what we have. We have three. It's just Mark being like, but we have rice left. Why, why, would, we, why would we... Yeah, it's right, yeah. like it's just him having to like particular, like meticulously plan stuff. Yeah, it's, it's typical. Just Mark, like you say, the same like creature of habit, like massively yeah. competing against Jeremy's. Just Lazy I'm a big fair, shot now. Like, like we're just gonna get needless rice. Like this yeah. is how I'm. Gonna it's really rude spat. of Mark actually thinking about it. Like Jeremy's taking him out for dinner and ordered it. Mark's like, no, 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 we don't need all this food. We don't need all this. Like I think it's just that thing of like Mark. Sort of, it's just used to babysitting Jez and yeah. just can't like. So trying to tra- get him to look after his money slightly responsibly, yeah. isn't he? And he doesn't. This doesn't sit well with Jez because he wants to be able to like have this extravagant like rock star lifestyle, but he can't afford to 
buy nice cars and nice houses, so he's buying rice yeah, and Yeah, yeah, this is how he's gonna sort of like get it out. So he then tries to like he does to Mark what like he does sort of this trying to lord it over Mark in the same way that Gog is lording it over Jez. And he's like, right, so the waiter comes back, he's like, no, I'll have three pilau rices and four peshwari naans. <laughs> like, he's just trying to just sh- show Mark up a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, so he turns to him, he's like, I've shared enough rice with you, I'm in the big yeah. now. <laughs> and then we get this very, very famous quote. Four naan, Jeremy. Four? That's insane. He's <laughs> <laughs> insane. He needs four naans <laughs> yeah. with three people. But it doesn't stop there. Like, Jeremy has always been living under Mark's rules. Like... He's he's like the second class citizen in the the flat, and he he wants to sort of push those boundaries. Yeah. I think he wants to he wants to sort of lash out, not lash out, but he wants to prove to Mark that I've got a commission now. Like I'm a, but I'm, just as, I'm like I can be equal. But to he doesn't you. try to prove it in a nice way, does he? He's just like he doesn't even he sort of tries to belittle him. He doesn't even say it in a remotely nice way. He's just like so. What am I going? He's like he's ch- he's like hitting his legs, isn't he? He's like, so what am I going to get you to do in my band? Yeah, it's like it's almost like what what can we do to keep you busy? Yeah, like, like <laughs> I'm I'm the big dog and I want to share my wealth with you. What, yeah. what can I? How can I give you a little bit of the uh, the, the Jeremy Osborne million? Exactly. It's like, yeah, and it, it's one commission. Yeah, yeah. It's like and it's not even. Like he's just got the advance. And what what what, the, what was the advance? Like, it, was, it was four grand. I think later on in the episode he says something about it being a four grand advance. Uh, yes, when yeah. he goes later to ask, yeah, for the yeah. money back. Um, but Jeremy's like, uh, sorry, Mark's trying to like point out that Jess shouldn't try and overstretch himself. Mark's like living in the real world, and so he knows that. Yeah, and it, is, it goes back to that point that I was saying that he's still looking out for Jez. He's still trying to. Sort of like babysit him a bit, like come yeah. on, like don't it's like, come don't on, don't like, don't like, don't spend your nest egg, like yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but Jeremy's like bollocks. I'm a very generous guy. Daryl's bringing his core on Glate. What like Nancy's singing? What are you going to do? I don't know at what point Jeremy's had this conversation with Daryl. Yeah, he's gone from calling him boring to right. Like, do you you're in my band, band with the core on Glate. I think it's just someone else to tell. Like I've got a commission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, it's, it's, it's the first person, one of the first people he's seen, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But he's had time to ring Nancy. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I imagine had... she was other than Mark, who was there when he got the message. I imagine the first person he called yeah. was Nancy. Hans is in a, on a different planet, wherever he is, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and Mark sort of come, but Mark comes out with an idea of what he wants to do, doesn't he? He's just like, he's like, we had talked about me maybe doing some sort of like. Jean-Michel Jarre type thing on the keyboard <laughs> and I had to Google who Jean-Michel Jarre was I hadn't heard of him before yeah, listen to him on Spotify and um, it's like this weird like electronic like really like what you find in the back like the background of like inspirational quotes videos on YouTube or like ooh very n- not Mark yeah like and like really yeah, really sort of strange like you know when they put these like fireworks displays on in big cities is that sort yeah. of like electronic keyboard like electro type music it's really Ooh. strange um, I can't imagine Mark it would probably fit in quite well with a Honda advert <laughs> maybe that's yeah. what they're missing then but, but Jeremy's like I was thinking you could be the manager and I think that's what we were all expecting Mark would want to do because we've seen how he sort of looks after But Mark isn't, Mark isn't egotistical, is he? So Mark's not going to go, oh, I'd be your boss. No, but I can imagine that he wants... Like, that's Mark's lane, isn't it? Yeah. He's, he's got that sort of... Um, not sort of, like, responsibility over it. He's the grown-up, isn't he, in exactly, their relationship? Exactly. Like, someone needs to steer Jeremy in the right direction. And Mark's been doing it for... I don't know, we could presume for maybe 10 years. Yeah. Well, Jeremy sort of alludes to that, doesn't he? He's like, you could order me around, which you'd enjoy, but I'd be your boss. 
So it could be kind of confusing in a good way. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I think he's trying to justify to himself and to Mark what the point I, of him doing it is. Yeah, I, I think he does sort of value what Mark does He for needs him. Mark within his life. We've established this in the first yeah. series. Like, he needs Mark there to cope. But he doesn't really want to admit it too much. So it's the, the Jez still has the real power and that he could just sack Mark yeah. whenever he wants. But he, it's that weird like, sort of symbiotic relationship that like super dysfunctional but they have it yeah so they they head off don't they um but they've got their fourth passenger with them haven't they yes. the lad they're really lads on tour <laughs> yeah so they picked up a traffic cone absolute banter yeah and while like this would have been the sort of thing that you can imagine jeremy and Superhands doing like jeremy's acting all like no 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 this is i'm too big time for this now yeah like they have a, they have a few like little bits of between like bits of banter between them don't they were like when, um, when a sexy lady walks past, yeah, he's like, yeah, using it as an erection, and then like Mark picks it up, doesn't he? And puts it up to his face, like, that's not funny, Daryl. I repeat, not funny. <laughs> um, and Jess like, oh come on, lads, let's lose the code. Like, I'm a somebody now. And so the taxi driver is going to be like, oh, you're, you're the guy who did the Honda commercial. Going to recognise him before he's even been released. Um, and Mark's like, oh, too good for the code. Mark's just pissed, isn't he? Like. He's had a few too many sherbets. He's acting like a bit of a yeah. like Billy Big Balls. We don't see that very often, do we? No, like, it's quite it's quite refreshing to see. Like he's he's coming out of himself. Like although Daryl was an absolute bastard, like we if, discover. Yeah, if we only had the first half of the episode, Daryl is a mostly good laugh, and we had that slip up with the with, with the, the menu, yeah, yeah, and we yeah. think, mm, but Mark sort of let it go. But he's bringing out a, a much more fun side of Mark. Yeah, and even more fun because they're drunk. So Mark's feelings sort of spill out a bit when they sort of... Mark makes a comment about, like, I bet we're having a much better time than Sophie's yeah. having. And Daryl's like, like, let's, let's like, don't worry about her. Like, you're better than her type of thing, doesn't he? He's like, but we could take a detour. Um, and we know that Daryl thinks that Sophie's a world-class bitch. So this isn't going to be, like, a positive visit, is it? Yeah, so they arrive and, and Daryl makes a comment about how they're going to... We're gonna fuck him up. But Mark's idea again is this: it's when, like, when they prank called Sophie. Like Mark's idea of like fucking him up is to check that the doorbell is like working nice, nice and, loud, and like loud. pressing it repeatedly in the same way that when he prank calls, he's like, "No, you can't say Hugh Jass or Mike Hunt. Like, you can't say you can't say anything yeah. really nasty to her." But Daryl's got a better idea, better idea, <laughs> a darker idea, um, a special delivery that turns out to be. A brick through the window. Yeah, um, Mark just watches on in horror as he just. Oh, he does it so quickly thing. before they've even really got the chance. He's got really got the chance to do anything about it. Yeah, and he doesn't even get the right window, so it turns out he smashed the the ground floor one. So the um, guy comes to the window, doesn't he? He's like looking out, um, yeah. and then all of a sudden, Jeff and Sophie appear from the top window. Yeah, and just Mark's just standing there, just. You can't see Daryl, but Mark's just standing there completely like well, guilty yeah, as charged. It's quite well lit where Mark is, and he's just looking like looking straight up yeah. at them, like it's a clear like mug yeah, shot. rub it in the headlights. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. And we get so Jeff and Sophie at the window. It's clearly sort of late. At oh, night there's no coming back from it, is there? Like, and oh, I see what you mean. Like they're, they're, they they look like they've been having some. They're having an adult sleeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we hit the ad break. And when we return from the outbreak, we're at the recording studio where Jeremy is set to produce his masterpiece yeah. for, for Gog and Honda. They obviously not put much work into it. Like We've got Jez and, and Hans, the original band members. Um, and then as Jeremy has already told us at the, at the Curry House that we've got Nancy singing and Daryl playing the choral play. And Mark is on the other side of the glass with the, the guys in the producer. Like the sound mixer. Yeah. yeah. 
So like they're all in the studio and Jez is worrying about his going, uh, how he's going. And like his anxiety is so, like Robert Webb's acting this is so good. When Jeremy's like wringing his hands, like he's like pulling at his neck. Like he's like really, really anxious. I think it's brilliant. But Superhands offers a great idea. I, uh, yeah, this is, actually I said before that a line was my favourite of the episode, but I think this actually might be it where with hands it's just. What we really need to do is create a powerful sense of dread. See, the longer the note, the more dread. I presume he's still on, like, high on crack at this point. Yeah. And Jeremy, like, Jeremy's stressing out so badly. He's like, God, that's terrible. Worse than Daryl's bloody Coron Glay. <laughs> to be fair, Coron Glay is a really annoying sounding instrument. But then Jeremy's mind drifts as he's like, I wish we were all robots. I wish they were all robots. I wish I was. I could punch through a wall. Yeah, I could just imagine this is exactly how they've got into the situation they're in. Like, I think Jeremy makes some sort of comment that they're running out of time. And it's like, well, if you're daydreaming about being a robot punching walls, like, of course but you're going to run Jeremy out of time. Jeremy can't produce his own... Like, that outrageous track is terrible. Like, he can't produce one where he's responsible for doing or making all the music, let alone when he's relying on, like, three or four other people to be making the yeah, music. Yeah, like, coordinating it all, yeah. He's just got no managerial, like, nous at all, as he of how to actually get it. And we see the clip of the film... Yeah, um, so they decide to have a sort of like a run through, don't they, of what they've come up yeah, with? Yeah, and so so they play it in the background, and Nancy starts singing. Now, not only are the lyrics, not only is her singing absolutely terrible, like the lyrics are just ridiculous. Like, it is just a bit of like say what you see, isn't it? And Nancy's just like, Watch out, they're gonna get you, they're gonna get you, baby, they're coming after you. Like it's just terrible. Like, it's literally just like the video is a guy. Like with his like, like we're looking over his shoulder, isn't it? Running away from something. She's a really strange thing for a Honda advert. It looks like a, like a really bad sort of eighties cop show, and it's so so bad. And even Jez is aware. Like that's when he's doing that proper, just like rubbing his hand along his neck, like really really getting worried about it. Um, and he's like, he just stops them, doesn't he? Just... Yeah, but but before, like, while Nancy's singing, she's looking at Jez like all excited, like, yeah, like this is great, like yeah. we're smashing this. Um, but even it's, it's funny. Even Jez knows that the track is bad. And yeah, and, this is and, someone who thought outrageous was amazing. Yeah, and I think he he realizes at this point he's like up a creek without a paddle. Like he's got he's got like a, a few minutes left in the studio, and yeah. they've got nothing. They've got nothing. Um, yeah, so he calls them all to a halt, and it's at this point Superhands decides to have another go on the, <laughs> yeah. on the old crack bite. And Jeremy's like, "We've got thirty-nine minutes to create the track." And Hans again, this this episode has got so many memeable like quotes, but so many just like classic Peep Show quotes in this episode. Yeah. Hans just goes like, "Oh, so now we're working." I can't smoke my crack. If <laughs> 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 that's like the the major point of his day and. Like, he asked yeah. Jez if he's going to boot him out next for not wearing a jacket and yeah. tie. How do you feel a bit sorry for Jez here, though? Because he's, like, he's working with sort of a racist, talentless so he... in Nancy <laughs> and, like, a drug-addled drug... maniac. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's just, in, he's, he's just in massively over his head. And so Mark is obviously seeing, presumably pick up on the fact that Jeremy's sort of struggling... Mark comes in and offers like the manager, the manager's thoughts, and and this is yeah, this is quite good. Like Mark, this is supposed to be what a manager does, is to come in and sort of offer that advice and help. But like, Mark's bring got no, no Mark, Mark, Mark's got no more like musical ability than Jez has. Yeah, he, he's at this point like like I said, they're they're sinking without trace here. Isn't they? There's nothing that Mark's going to do that's going to salvage the situation. And, and Jer- Jeremy sort of like like get lost, like go away. Yeah, you can't relinquish that like creative control. No, and he's like, "Here be beauty, 
there be pie charts. Like, <laughs> he, knows what Mark, he knows what Mark's um, like speciality is, isn't he? And to make matters worse, the sound engineer walks in and informs that he's going for a coffee and Hans just shouts after him, doesn't he? He's just like, Yeah, well, if you're leaving now, don't even fucking dream of coming back. <laughs> yeah, and then he, he, he throws his headphones down, doesn't he? And then, like, kicks a mic stand or yeah. something. There's a lot of really good hands in this. Yeah. Like, typical good hands. So we jump with Mark and Daryl to one of the World War II reenactments. And despite Mark doubting how fun it might be, he has agreed to go along to it. They've taken on a couple of interesting roles. They seem to be dressed as like SS officers, don't they? We get quite a good transition to the scene. And, and Daryl's commenting on the, the events that we've just seen in the music studio. And it's, it's quite an interesting exchange between the two. And it's very much where we realise what Daryl is. Yeah, and so Daryl comes out and like, I mean, obviously a band isn't an army, but you need some organisation. And Mark's like, yeah, fair point, yeah. That, like, it's true. It, yeah, it is a perfectly valid point. And then you start to get this slightly, like, BNP-type yeah, thing come out. Yeah, we start to descend. Like, de- yeah, like, democracy's all very well, but it's weak and it's decadent. You need a strong leader. And, like, to all intents and purposes, Mark, in his naive state, probably thinks that Daryl's still in wrong. Like, he's still acting as a as this, this SS soldier. And Daryl's like, it's all right, I'm in character. Like, I'm still in character. And Mark's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and then he chimes in, doesn't he? He's like, yep, yeah, the fatherland needs a Fuhrer. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and the guy, the guy who, there's a guy watching, isn't there? There's a guy who's obviously come around for the reenactment. And he, like, he looks up at Mark as Mark's saying this. And he obviously clocks, like, some sort of facial expression. The guy, and Mark just goes in his internal monologue, like, God, I'm even boring when I'm a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very, uh, very underrated line, I think. Um, so then we sort of see someone who's having a look around the place, but Daryl, who's we get the impression is sort of a bit of a seasoned veteran at this sort of thing, he's not impressed by him, and he calls him out as a... A, a classic cast- rubbernecker, doesn't he? Yeah, he's absolutely no interest in military history. Might as well be checking out fucking sea drills in a farm <laughs> museum. <laughs> and this could be well the like well be a point that Mark himself would sort of say, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But then like the next part just deteriorates so quickly... And Mark just tries to keep the role play going. And he says, still, it's nice to get out of the city, isn't it? And Daryl's like, oh, yeah, it's nice to get away from it. All the work, the smog. Yeah, they list off a bunch of quite... There's just, like, bouncing it back. Like, yeah, the traffic, the noise, the hassle. Yeah, it's all harmless, all very normal. And then Daryl sort of steps it up. Car alarms, the cash points, the blacks, the packies, the Jews. And that's the first major red flag. That's our red flag, although I think this whole scene has been been a build-up. And it's pretty obvious that this isn't in character. But Mark's... Whether he still thinks... It is, or whether he's beginning to sort of realise. I think he gives him the benefit of the doubt as long as he possibly could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, like, it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, it's very, they're they're not talking about anything to do with the reenactment. They're talking about getting away from London for a bit. Yeah. And then, bang. Yeah. Like, in amongst the car alarms and the cash points, it's, let's just list off, like, three races I hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he turns around and just like, I mean, that's that's what we all want, isn't it? A racially pure nation. And then goes on and says, all we're saying is English for the English, right? Yeah. And Mark, even then, is still trying to be like, no, 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 don't you, like, you mean German for Germany for the Germans? You mean, yeah, and like, then it drops. Yeah. And so um, Mark, uh, sorry, Daryl comes out sort of full flow and it's rights for whites. That's not too much to ask, is it? And Mark sort of just can't believe it, like that someone will be so open about this now 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 the penny's dropped and he realizes that he is just a racist 
it's 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 so strange that, that Daryl's this open about it. Daryl has completely misread Mark and believes that Mark shares all the same views. Yeah, well, he says that, doesn't he? He's like, we're on the same wavelength. Everyone thinks it. The difference is we're not afraid to say it. Like Daryl seems really proud that he's found this guy who finally, like, I'm I'm a racist bigot. And I finally found somebody, and I don't find many people, I finally <laughs> found somebody who actually agrees with me about Mark's. I could not be further from that. Yeah, and Mark's, he just must be devastated here because he's finally made a new friend who he thought shared all of the same interests, all those things that he could do those things like the reenactments with. And like, there's no way in a million years Jeremy is going to go along to a World War II Yeah, and he doesn't have that sort of relationship with Johnson. No, Johnson's yeah. very much business, business, yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. And this is just this relationship is just like falling apart sort of before his before his eyes and we get this monologue from Mark. Oh shit. Oh bollocks. Of course. I can't just make a nice normal friend. Oh no, that would be far too simple. And then if, they, if that wasn't bad enough, the commanding officer like the, in the reenactment comes over and Daryl has taken his character too far. And at this point, he's just you, the the lines are blurred so much between what Daryl's actually saying in character and what he's not. Mm. You can't really tell. And the, the the character comes over, doesn't he? And he's just like, hi, Hitler. oh no, Daryl does, doesn't he? He's just like, hi, Hitler. Um, yeah. And like full like Nazi like salute out. Um, and then Mark really awkwardly does a little sort of like. I think he doesn't know how to behave because he's still conscious that he's in the role play. He does. He does stretch his arm out and just goes sort of goes. Or... Yeah, it's very weak. He's not really sure. Like, do they do they take it this far in this thing? But Daryl is the only reference point he's got. Yeah, and he sort of feels like. But obviously, like the the commander really quickly does outline the rules, doesn't he? He's like, you're not supposed to do that, Daryl. You know, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you wonder, like, how many times Daryl has been told off for saying stuff wrong or doing stuff wrong or like. You would have thought that if he was this openly racist that he seems to be, but so he's only openly racist with Mark because he knows that, he, well, he thinks that Mark shares his views. It makes you wonder what the other role players think of him because we, ne- you never, and we only get a very brief snapshot of it. But we don't see any of the others apart from the commander, and the only interaction they have is him telling it's him negative, off. Negative, isn't it? So yeah. you, you do wonder. Like this does seem to be like I, I wonder if Daryl chose for them to be Nazis. And I wonder if Daryl always picks the Nazis so that he can sort of, in a very public way, yeah. say these awful things as and Mitchell, can't be called out on it. As Mitchell and Webb say in the, the Mitchell and Webb look, are we, are we the bad guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Mark is like, he wor- he's worrying about his relationship with Daryl from this point, isn't he? And when he arrives home, he's, he's got Jeremy to talk to, but Jeremy just wants to talk about the track. Yeah, he's um, talking about some sort of, um, like a hiss or something yeah and he's saying like the track's finished the track's been sent off like there's a small hiss on the track which we won't get rid of (laughs) so like what sort of like awful music studio were they recording this at but uh, I know you wanted to talk about like I think we both put in our notes didn't we about Jeremy eating out of a tin of beans I was just like has all the money gone already and it is funny that he way back in on the pull in series one Jez makes the comment about tin food is only for war. Oh, he does. <laughs> yeah. um, and we can see that like, he's friends with Hans, who's a massive cracker, yeah. <laughs> so that the tin beans are out. Jeremy senses something's wrong with Mark. Yeah, um, so Jez is talking quite a bit about, like, we presume he's talking about the details yeah, yeah, of the yeah. track, but Mark's just. His like, internal monologue's just going, isn't it? Yeah, so he's telling himself that he needs to sever all ties with Daryl, but, but then wonders whether perhaps he's, he might be overreacting, and you can tell that he. Like, the dilemma in that he knows that he shouldn't be friends with someone who has these views, but 
like this is a new like, he's made a friend um, and he's desperate to keep hold of him at the end of the day so yeah, yeah like if he can do anything that it is a way for Daryl to potentially like redeem himself like he'll try and hang on and wait for that to happen yeah so he wants to, so he so he tries to do this by testing what Daryl said on Jeremy to see what Jeremy's reaction is listen I might pop just <clears throat> pop down the uh, chinky do you want another thing? Yeah, and, and it gets, this first one's sort of like brushed under the carpet a little bit. Like, Jez, though, is, is he's clearly uncomfortable. Well, he's obviously going, like, what the hell? Like, where's that come from? Like, yeah, that's like, a really strange this thing to say. Mark would say. But he, he lets it go. He sort of does a bit of a quizzical look, but he doesn't, like, call him out on it. And he's just like, um, no, I'm, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, and Mark pushes him further. And I think Jeremy, he knows that Jeremy is realising that something like what he's saying isn't right. What about from the packy shop? Do you want another thing from in there? Yeah, and at this point, Jeremy sort of does actually sort of verbalise his, like, sort of, he questions, it's like, it's too much, and he knows that this is this is very out of, uh, of character for him. He's just like... The packy shop. And I, I, it's worth pointing out, I think, that that word in particular was a big... Thing like yeah. back then, but Mark continue. Even though Jeremy's clearly given him his opinion, like Mark carries on, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't normally go there. I've always got that wog box on. Oh, the some of the words he's using it's, like just hurt my like. He's just <laughs> stepping it up. up yeah, and, up, and, and at last, like Jez just calls him straight out now. It's like, Mark, what the hell are you talking about? And then Mark's just sort of like, yeah, that's almost like, is it? Yeah. like to Jeremy's relief, just like reveals that it's uh, it's just like a, almost an experiment. And he's like, yeah, that, that's not on, is it? What I said, it's not all right, is it? And Jess just like, well, no. But Mark still keeps going on with what Daryl's clearly said to him. He's like, well, obviously, you don't think there's a global Jewish conspiracy controlling everything. And Jeremy's like, what do you mean? Am I a racist? <laughs> and Mark's like. And that is, it's the first time that Mark's actually used that, heard that word used about doubt, listening, like the actual term racist. Yeah. And Mark's like, yeah, if you think that and say those things, you're a racist, aren't you? Like, he's, he's then associated the act with, with the term. Yeah, he's finally applying the label. Yeah, and Mark's, uh, Jeremy says, well, yeah. And Mark's like, as it turns out, that was a racist. Like, he <laughs> double does all those things. Yeah. And Jez sort of can't believe it. Like, it's weird having that sort of issue just, like, shoved in your face. And especially in the way Mark's done it. Um, yeah, I think it would make anyone feel uncomfortable. And, and Jez's awkwardness here, that, it is quite a good job of, like... Because you're right, having just, like, blatant racism just, like, thrown on you like that. Yeah, After, yeah, yeah. like, Jez had just been talking about his music and how it was going, and then it's just, like, bang, like, racism yeah. in your face. He's very awkward about it, and it just sort of, like... You sure he's not like you sure he's a proper one? Like it, it wasn't just racist horseplay. <laughs> he's still like, doing like, yeah. <laughs> um, but Mark puts the final nail in Daryl's coffin, and he's like, "No, because I was in the tent with him for ages, and we talked for a long time, and it was mostly on racial classifications, head measurements, oh, and so on." Uh, the head <clears> measurements <throat> thing, like Jez's response is just sort of like, "Like, what else did he say?" He's just like, "Wow," <laughs> and um, it's obviously not a good wow. Yeah, and I think it, it sums up like everyone in the audience their reaction as well it's so it's, so bad he's out here with his tape measure and his like, yeah and he's referred like he's got these derogatory terms that he refers to people as and literally like saying like rights for whites and this sort of stuff like yeah. there's no getting around he's getting scientific like the these other people and we, we don't really we don't hear like who like which races he's specifically discussing but it's like these are 
in like physically inferior and it's just like it's awful it's just Jesus. so bad like, um, wow and Marks is like I feel terrible like do you think I should confront him and Jez is really shocked like, Jez's like well you didn't confront him like he's a racist twat and, um, and Mark Mark, keep backtracks he's like, you know I mean I did confront him like, a little bit like but maybe I should confront him again like more <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so Wheat responds he, he clearly does feel guilty after sort of like Jez just saying like what you didn't confront him yeah and like that moment like the doorbell rings straight away doesn't it and Mark's terrified that it's Daryl obviously it is Daryl and Mark's like tell him I'm not here like I didn't confront him right? yeah it comes out and so Jez goes to answer the door and it's like oh hi Daryl and, and Daryl's quite upbeat, isn't he? He's like, hey, Jez. Like, referring to him by his nickname. Let's yeah. have him quite quickly. Yeah. Is Mark around? And uh, I, I love Jeremy's response here. It's just so... It's just a simple thing to try and get under Daryl's skin, isn't it? Yeah. Like, no, he's gone out to get a Thai curry. <laughs> yeah. And Jez is like, internally, he's just like, because that's what we eat nowadays while you're chomping on your racist carrots. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he just shuts the door on him, which is like majorly awkward yeah and we know like in the following scenes that Daryl really chases after Mark doesn't he like leaves him voicemails yeah so we, we, we're pulled away from there and we get to a, a JLB sort of like social yeah we're a pub meeting. or something aren't we yeah like, and we arrive and Mark is apologising to Sophie about the whole brick through the window sort of situation at Jeff's and the story that Mark comes out with is just like weak to say the least yeah he's just like we were passing and I said, let's see if they're in. Throw some stones at the window. Daryl thought I said, a stone. And the stone he picked up was a brick. And he got... So, da, 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 da. <laughs> and he got the wrong window. And, yeah, you know the rest. And yeah. Sophie's face is just, like, completely, like, stone, isn't it? Like, she makes no sort of expression at all. Yeah. She's just like, she what just you're see... saying to me is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And the conversation is cut short because Daryl turns up. Um, and he's excited to see Mark. Even though Mark's presumably been, like... It's blacklisted him. Yeah, the feeling is definitely not mutual. And um, and Dad was like, Mark, my man, like, is your mobile broke? I've not been able to get hold of you for days. Um, yeah, Mark just totally dodges it. And he's just like, oh, oh hey, they, they do do chicken yeah. wings. I love chicken wings. So Sophie then asked Johnson, like, why they're here, which is proving what they're all thinking. And the response is pretty good, like, genuinely good management from Johnson. Like, he's, he's, he's seen a problem and he's doing something about it. Well, I noticed a bit of static back in the office. Just thought we should come down here for a bit of a bonding session. Bonding session. <laughs> <laughs> and and so Sophie's sort of sarcastic. She's like, oh, like yeah, great. Like she must be dreading being here with sort with Mark. She doesn't need to do any Jeff. bonding with Mark. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was um, touching her breasts at the end of the last episode. And yeah. uh, so the whole Mark, she's there with Mark and Jeff. Like she's very much in the middle. And after the whole brick situation, like oh yeah, it's, it's majorly sort of, awkward. Uh, yeah, a bit of a nightmare. So Johnson tries to strike up conversation, doesn't he? He's just like, so who saw the get the big game last night? And Johnson and Jeff are talking about it. And Jeff makes a comment, doesn't he, about like Thierry Henry making Savage looking like a right cart horse. Yeah, and then as you hear Thierry Henry, British name, reference by the way, Robbie Savage uh, is a. Uh, Infamous British footballer. Known for his uh, tough tackling sort of style. And being a bit of a, an idiot. Like, yeah. He's not a very, not very liked footballer. Yeah. and then But when you hear Thierry Henry's name, you immediately, or he's, you sort of panic a bit. And for anyone who doesn't know who Thierry Henry is, uh, I think Henry is much more famous than Robbie <laughs> oh, yeah, just a bit. Um, but if you don't know, Thierry Henry so he's a famous French footballer who's black, which is obviously a when it comes up in front of Daryl. Yeah, and so as soon as you hear, as soon like it's such a obvious point, like 
the writers have put a really obvious point in there. You can go, as soon as Tierra Marie's mentioned, you go, oh, right, okay, Daryl's obviously going to say something. Yeah, and so you just wonder, like, how is he going to possibly sort of get, like, how is he going to be racist in this setting? But he yeah. manages to pull it off. And he's not he's not offensive in the sense of, like, he's not derogatory about Thierry Henry or about black people, but he just, like, brilliant, it's... wasn't he? Like, None, well, like, when are people finally going to admit that you lot are better at sports? Like, yeah, it's that he's, positive. He's still racist. It's, he's still racist. He's, he's grouping somebody, but referring to them as you lot. He, he is I, like, grouping off a race, but he's talking about them positively. Yeah, but he's still grouping off a race. Like, you know, exactly. Yeah, 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 so yeah. It's, it's still clearly racist. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not backing them up. But it, it's not... It's, it's not the sort of racism that we've seen from him previously. Whereas before, yeah, he was yeah, saying it's, mean, it's great yeah. to get away from and then lists off like a bunch of races. Yeah. But here he's actually saying, oh, when is everyone going to admit that that black people are but it's just But it's just that mindset that he has, doesn't it? Of like yeah. having to do things by race. Yeah, um, and it's just, oh, we're talking, a, like a black footballer's come up. Like, bang, bing, like, yeah. I need to comment on his race in yeah. some way. Like, uh, he, he doesn't just see Thierry Henry as a person. Yeah, and in the same way that we were sort of expecting that to happen... Mark is panicking and he's like no no not here <laughs> like not here not this can't happen I don't do it in front of Johnson and Johnson like quickly like calls him like calls him out on it like quite rightly calls him out on it um, and just goes you lot and again for the second time in the ma- in a matter of minutes Mark tries to come up with a really lame excuse in the same way he's just done with the brick isn't he he's just like he means like guys like you who are French he thinks you're French. <laughs> like, I keep telling you he's not French. He's like, you're like get Daryl out of the situation as quickly yeah. as I can. Come on, let's get you a drink. Yeah, and just like... And it sort of ushers him away from the whole situation. And it's awful, but at least he does sort of... He does get Daryl out of there, like... Yeah, and he does He does go on and he does confront him. Like, he has to at this point. He's embarrassed him. Not as he's not embarrassed him in front of Jez, but Jez now knows that he's a racist. And Daryl's now embarrassed him in front of his work colleagues. Like, there's no going back from this now, is there? Yeah, Daryl will only have a negative sort of impact on trying to get with Sophie. And then, obviously, the big, like, he's going to be a contention with Johnson. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And we, we know. And as, as, soon as, he, as soon as he's tarred with the same brush. Exactly. Like, yeah, Mark, yeah. like, idolises Johnson. So, like, yeah, the yeah, last thing he can do it. is be a friend with a racist. So, Mark tries to, like, break it off with with Daryl in the same way like it's like a couple breaking up isn't it? like a casual relationship like ending and he's like listen mate while you've got a minute like the thing is I'm busy you're busy I think we just maybe should stop seeing each other yeah. it's very much just like it's not you it's me yeah. uh, even though it is him and Daryl seems really perplexed like what stop being mates even though he, like Mark's been dodging his calls for like yeah, yeah, yeah. a week um, <laughs> but this is back in the days before like before mobiles were as prominent, isn't it? Like, we talked yeah, about this before. And Mark says, yeah, you know, you say potato, I say tomato, let's call the whole thing off. Like, it's like a very good line yeah. for Mark. Yeah, and the, the next bit with Mark, it's just like, when Daryl's obviously like, well, why? And Mark's lying. And this is another really memed thing as well, isn't it? I've seen this loads of times probably yeah. on Facebook, when it's like, well, it's the 21st century, no one actually likes it, no one actually likes each other anymore. Let's just leave it at that. I, I think, in fairness, like, Mark does really well to do this to Daryl. He actually, uh, to Daryl, he actually confronts the problem. He does actually do it. And then, like, in his monologue... Oh, uh, you say that, though. He doesn't... He d- he breaks it off with him, but he doesn't actually call him out on anything. That that comes later. Yeah. And now he's just saying, I think we should stop being friends and there's no explanation. 
You could argue it's actually a little bit cowardly. Yes, if he'd just gone, listen, you're a racist, I don't associate with racists. I suppose that would have yeah. possibly worked but better. We, it's important to that will that does come later. Yeah, yeah it does, yeah. Um, but when, yeah, like we, like we said, this... For now, he's saying, oh, I don't have time. Yeah. There's no time, so let's just forget anything ever happened, okay? Yeah, and like in his monologue, he's then trying to justify how... He thinks he's been really abrupt, which I suppose he has. He's gone from like really pally on the table to, like, we're done. I know you yeah, said, like, the phone and, calls. and you can see Daryl's quite visibly... Sort yeah, of surprised. Upset, yeah, um, yeah, he's quite shocked by it. But in his internal monologue, Mark's telling himself it's okay. He doesn't have any feelings. Racists don't have feelings. They're subhuman. Well, they are. I think racists are subhuman. <laughs> but like, he's just trying to justify, it, isn't he, to himself? Yeah, I don't know whether. Yeah, I don't know whether Mark's handled it well or whether, like you said, he goes back to it later on. But he he does well in terms of getting rid of Daryl quite swiftly. But like I said, he doesn't get he doesn't get to the core problem and no. doesn't sort of say why. And we have, we have to wait until later to get that. Yeah. Um, so Mark, we see Mark back at the flat, don't we? He goes back to the flat um, and he's playing playing Tetris. Like yes. resuming control again. And I love the fact that Mark knows the name, like the little Tetraminos, isn't he? Yeah. He fit neatly together and dissolve because everything is simple in Tetris. <laughs> like, he's just, it's, it's, his, it's his escape mechanism. It's his control Definitely. and like the simplicity of the situation. Uh, doing things by the rules and everything working out because you're following the rules. That's the point of Tetris. Yeah. So Jeremy's here to ruin his party. Comes in, he's like, I need a massive, <laughs> massive favour. And it turns out, surprise, surprise, Gog hasn't him fallen, fallen in love with the truck. And because of that, he's not paying Jeremy the rest of his commission, but Jeremy's spent the advance. On drugs and shoes. But, but Gog's giving him the opportunity to go back in and try and save it, isn't he? But Jess can't get any more studio time because he's got no money yeah because he spent it on drugs and shoes so it's very typical of Jeremy and like you know exactly you, you could predict at the beginning of the episode that he wasn't going to get the commission well you, yeah you knew that he as soon as he was given a cheque with was it, I think it was 4,000 yeah 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 like, he was going to spend four that four like, grand is more be. than Jez has ever had well like <laughs> when he gets the uh, money from the dead Gwen Bonanza he thinks he's going to get it and he says like, I'm a millionaire, like, I never need to work again. Like, he just has no concept of money. Yeah. And it's, it's that thing as well that, like, he's he's so in the present in that he ignores all the conditions that came attached with that. Like, this advance is so you can create the work that you will then later get paid for. But he, he ignores all of those conditions. And as in one of the later episodes where he gets given the car. Oh, from um, Sophie's mum. Yeah, yeah, and it's he he's excited about getting given the car, and he's like, oh, free car. I mean, there are loads of strings attached, but just ignore the strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's just that, like, that's like his it's mentality. Nutshell, it? Yeah, exactly. So he's got to ask Mark for some money to finish the track, and Mark's just like, yeah, okay, how much? I never thought Mark had that much money. No, I, well, I just think it's incredible how so he casually offers just to lend him the money and like we don't know exactly but we've, we've heard before that Jez owes Mark money already for the rent yeah exactly so like Jez probably owes him a fortune so like he shows yeah. no signs of paying it back yeah. anytime soon but Mark seems willing to lend him uh, four grand but that that's not the favour yeah, that's, yeah <laughs> that's not even the favour and, and that's where Mark then does come out and go what that that isn't the favour 
And like Jez is like, no, you see the thing is, Gog's really not keen on any of the track except as it turns out for the core on Glay. He wants much, much more core on Glay. Yeah, and you can see the sort of the gears in Mike's like, no. Like, I know no. what you're about to ask me to do. And Jeremy, like Je- earlier on, Jeremy had been like how bad Daryl was, but then as soon as da- he, as soon as Daryl's got something that he needs, he's like, but look at it another way. We've all got our foibles. I mean, I, for example, hate. Mozzarella. Though Daryl hating Blackfinger yeah. is the same it's as like, the it's, it's not the same, Jeremy. It's, like, it's kind of the same. <laughs> I mean, aren't we supposed to be living in a multicultural democracy? And isn't that the point, you know? The Jews and the Muslims and the racists all <laughs> together, side by side, doing the same, whatever the hell they like. Jeremy will literally do or say anything. It's just like pop psychology, isn't it? Just like... He knows what a horrible situation this will put Mark in. Um, so we head back to the studio for the second recording session. Um, and Mark opens the scene with a sort of great and un- uh, internal monologue, doesn't he? As he's playing, as Daryl's playing the Cor Anglais. Yeah. Uh, Mark's going Cor Anglais, of course. Probably plays it in the BMP jazz combo. <laughs> uh, probably does. And so the BMP again for those of you who are uh, international familiar, listeners. Yeah, familiar um, with the side shows of British politics. Yeah, the, the BMP were a sort of a side party in like a. a a racist side party, for want of a, Brit- a better word. They stand for the, it's the British National Party, and they were very, very prominent round about this time, and then right up up until maybe 2010, where they came briefly into the mainstream of British politics. And, uh, so yeah, we we we're, we're stuck in the studio, and Hans is just sitting there off his face on crack, isn't he? Yeah. So so we arrive as they're sort of wrapping up, and and Jeff actually seems genuinely happy with the work, and he he turns to Super Hans and. Sort of asks what he thinks, but he's just sitting there with his hood up, like rocking, isn't he? At this point, yeah, like Hans, like his mind is just broken. Yeah, the crack. Hans has contributed basically nothing to the whole process, um, and Jez just turns to the sound engineer and says, "Like well, he just ignores <laughs> Super Hans, doesn't yeah. he?" Um, and he's just like, "Well, I loved it. If you want to print one of those out or or whatever, like he's just like, yeah, we're done." <laughs> that just shows how ignorant he is to actually the inner workings of music production. He's yeah. like, if you just want to print one of those out or yeah. whatever. Um, so as as he goes to leave, yeah. Mark is like, oh, right, begs him to stay because he knows he's got to confront Daryl. Um, and Jeremy's so selfish. Like he's done. Mark's done this to help Jeremy out. Like Mark's had to go and speak to Daryl and get him along, and um, give him the money. And give him the money. He's done a massive. But Jeremy favor. just buggers off, doesn't he? And so like he just like tell Daryl we're very grateful, like, and then just leaves. Yeah, gone. Um, so we're left with just the two of them alone, although we are separated by the glass on either side. He sort of locks himself in, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he goes and clicks the door, and then he has to use the intercom thing, doesn't he, to go like he's like sealing the airlock so the big racist monster guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in his internal monologue, he's like, "I'm safe in my cubicle. I'm safe." <laughs> and Daryl just seems to have blown over the fact, like, he's just like, oh, "Have you got over the whatever brain attack you had in Frankie and Benny's?" Like, he's just completely, yeah. like, negated anything that's previously he, Yeah, happened. he's so casual about it. And Mark does, like we, like we said, I was impressed with Mark c- calling it off before, but you definitely you said you were impressed by Mark here, because actually he does confront him about being racist. Um, yeah, so he breaks it off for good this time, and I yeah, I'm impressed by Mark, because I wouldn't have thought that he was capable of doing this, and from what we've seen of him so far, and he, he just comes out and says it. He says, uh, Daryl, listen, the truth is... I can't be associated with you anymore because... And then just full out says it, you're a racist. And Daryl doesn't question it. Daryl, like... He, he acknowledges, acknowledges it. it. He's like, yeah, what? Yeah, I thought we were on the same wavelength. Like, you know, the sausage, the Euro, Clarkson. <laughs> yeah, Mark's like, there's a difference, Daryl. You can't hate people because of their ethnic background. 
And Daryl's response is just so, oh, right, political correctness gone mad. Just, like, completely dismisses yeah. all, all his beliefs as... Like, all you the lot fact, are too yeah. sensitive. Mark quite rightly says, like, no, I hate political correctness gone mad. And he does, like, we've established this. I hate political correctness gone mad more than anyone. I don't want to teach the world to, to, <laughs> to say. That would be horrible. But slavery, the Holocaust, that's just not on. Like, yeah, fair play, Mark. Whereas I have a dream, South Africa, Benetton, like, it's, you've got to say fair enough. It's a, it's a very well laid out argument. You yeah. could probably think Mark's probably rehearsed this little speech. Yeah. And I think what does help as well as that they have the pane of glass between them. I don't yeah. know how much yeah, of this sure. would have come out if they were face-to-face. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so Daryl then comes up with, like, oh, yeah, okay, no, fair enough. You've talked me round. He's still, he's not taking this seriously. And so then what Mark actually thinks, oh, my God, like, maybe maybe it's he can... really naive of Mark. Yeah, he can, maybe he can redeem himself and we'll be friends again. And he just goes... Fuck off, Thor Police. Yeah, it just walks and off, And then that's it? the friendship sort of, like, truly up in flames. Yeah. And things don't get much better for him, as next he's dragged along with Jeremy and Superhands to Gogs in an attempt to get their money back for the track, isn't he? Um, and Mark's immediately sort of questioning what he's doing. But then but then uh, Jez turns it back at him again, he's like, you want your money back, don't you? He's refusing to pay up. He's refusing to like my track. <laughs> And Mark's again being a proper sicker for the rules. I told you we should have had a proper contract. And this is again, like you said, it's a classic example of Mark being persuaded to get involved in a stupid, stupid antic. Um, and everything in his brain is telling him that it's a bad idea. And he's vocalising that he thinks it's a bad idea. But for some reason, he still hasn't managed to, to say no. Yeah, Mark's very much uh, often pointing out while he's doing something, this thing is not a good idea. But for some reason, he's doing it anyway. Yeah, and maybe a part of him sort of, yeah, part of him likes it. But Hans looks in a much better state than when he was at the music studio, and Jeremy asks if he's feeling better. And surprisingly, he seems to have cured his drug problem in a matter of days. And, well, we think he has until he's like, he's not cured at all, and he's like, he's on a come down. Yeah. Um, he's like, ah, just banged a load of Valium up my arsehole for the come down. <laughs> um, and while, while they've been talking, Jeremy has been carrying a baseball, which we haven't seen. And Mark is suddenly throwing a baseball, and Superhands has got, like, the baseball glove, hasn't he? Yeah. And they've got the three different parts of the uh, the role play that they're going to have to use. Yeah, so Mark's quite confused. He's like, what's this? And the hands is really casual. Like, Cover, in case the cops turn up. Just a bunch of mates playing baseball. <laughs> um, so he goes in and... He's he like, clearly nervous Like as soon as like he's arrived at his house. Yeah, of. three people turning up at your door. Like, and he's, you, no, he's You've told them you don't like the thing that they've done for you. Yeah, like, and, they're, and they're, they, they, well. they accost him straight away. Um, and he just says... Right, so you've had some more thoughts about the track. Yeah, Jess comes like, yeah, we have actually. And Gog thinks, oh, great, like, maybe um, like, this could be a bit more positive, yeah, actually. Um, and he, but then, <laughs> then Jerry's just like, we thought we might smash your brains in with a baseball bat. <laughs> and Mark straight away is like, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and Jez carries on walking in and just like, see, we want our money and we're feeling a little bit clumsy. And just, it, this whole scene is just so stupid. Like, just walking and knocking off post off the side. Hans goes over and gets a um, thing of he gets the crunchiness, doesn't he? It's like pretty expensive, as I recall, and tips him on the floor. <laughs> yeah. God just must be thinking, like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, and but he's, 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 but he's then trying to protect himself. He's like, I've told you, it's how my hands, like, Honda are really hard to please. Jez isn't such a big fan of Honda. Yeah, he's like, Honda, anymore. Honda, Honda, fuck Honda. <laughs> Like I said, that's that's when Hans tips over the breakfast cereal, um, and Jed's like, "Not so rich and successful now with a piece of wood in your face, are you?" Like, Mark's trying to defuse it. 
like it, this whole scene is just so ludicrous, but exactly how you know that Jez and Hans would be yeah, organising a heist. <laughs> yeah, I think we all know that Jeremy hasn't got a violent bone. Like, well, but it's body. the same as when they go to Hans's flat with the pepper with, spray. With, with pepper spray. There's just mm. no plan in place to actually try to do it. Like it's just Mark going like, yeah, right. They, he's got the message. Like you're gonna pay. And Cog's like, Cog's not fa- Cog's not phased at all. He's like, nah. I'm not going to pay. Yeah, he gets uh, threatened by pouring some cereal. On the yeah, floor. <laughs> um, and when Mark tries to get them to leave, Hans pipes up and tells Jez to hit Gog with a bat. And Jez's like, "Why have I got to hit him? <laughs> like, why is it me who's got to do the hitting?" And like, <laughs> again, another classic line. It's like, "Why can't you hit him?" And Hans is like, "Hit him? I can't even make a fist." <laughs> yeah. And Mark's like, Mark's still chi- like chiming up with the whole point of contract law. The whole point of a contract is to make sure this thing never happens, and it's just all going to absolute shit. Um, and the phone rings, isn't it? Yeah, so, and Gog thinks, hmm, like, I can potentially get an out here. And Jeremy straight away, don't answer it. And Gog's like, oh, what if it's Honda? So Jeremy's like, hmm. Oh, it might be, it's, yeah. Mm, it, it, it's, it's not going to be Honda. And I think it, Hans... Hans goes, yeah, yeah, it could be Honda. Could be Honda. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, all right, but a word out of place and you're getting the bat. And the way he just sort of shakes it in his face. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, so not intimidating. So he pretends it's Honda initially when he answers, and then very quickly, like, Dave, call the police. Like, there are people here, they're trying to kill me, they're trying to kill me. Yeah. And, and that's really escalated the situation because now someone else is involved. So Mark grabs the phone off him. Uh, hello, uh, Dave, it, it's, it's Mark here. I, I'm an old friend of God's. D- don't worry, we're, we're not trying to kill him. It's, it's just uh, he's. Uh... He, he's never had sushi before. He thought we were trying to poison him. Uh, it's, it's all right, Gog. You, you're not meant to cook it. It's supposed to be raw. <laughs> can, can he call you back? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't see the rest of this play out, which is a shame. But we find out that they've got away with it as, like, well, they're not, they, they haven't been arrested, have they? Like, they're not yeah. in prison. Uh, but Mark's back at work. But Daryl sort of appears. Yeah, it turns out Daryl hasn't sort of escaped justice. But Mark's presumed Mark's dobbed him in, hasn't he? Yeah. So so Sophie asks him out what's going on, and um, and Mark sort of plays sort of plays a damn a bit and says, "Oh, turns out like apparently Daryl was like a massive racist," and and then it adds, "and not, not even his, his best, best friends, friends knew." Um, and it, it seems a bit like you can see right through. Yeah, it, and he but... says he says doesn't he? he's like someone reported him, and that's so Mark's reported Mark's, him. Yeah, yeah, Mark's reported him. Um, so at this point, like Daryl comes in and everyone's staring at him because he, they clearly the, the rumor mill has gone around the office. They clearly know what he's going to do, or like they clearly know what he's done. But he seems quite casual and he goes over to Mark and Mark's like, "Oh shit!" He knows, but Daryl takes it unbelievably well. Too well. Like he knows he stitched him up. But he's like, "I'm not going to embarrass you, all right? I'm going now. I just wanted to say I don't care what happened. I still think you're a bloody good guy, and I took the rat for the sausage. So you're in the clear there." So. I'll see you around. Like he's not—he's taking it like. And he, he pats him on the shoulder. Yeah, and he's like, "See you around." And, see, yeah, and see you around. everyone is staring at them both because everyone wants to see how Mark's going to react because they're still—they seem to still be talking, or Daryl seems to be talking in such a pally way. Yeah, and, the and it looks really bad for Mark. Right? Yeah, it? absolutely. Um, so Mark decides he has to do something, and that something is to like do that fake like call out after him, where he's yeah, just, he like, waits until Daryl is like definitely he's left the room, he's out of earshot, and then he sort of yeah. And- Good riddance, you, you, you fucking Nazi. <laughs> His point is so stupid, and that like everyone just sort of awkwardly looks at him, and then it sort of yeah, it sort of out, uh, sort of like fizzles out the episode really because then we get the credits as yeah. everyone just sort of awkwardly stares at him. Yeah. So that is the end of the episode. Quiz time. It is quiz time. Let me just roll up the quiz. Like I've said, one of the questions is devilishly hard. So the first question was. 
What was the original order? This is quite an easy one. What was the original order that Jeremy made at the curry? Oh, uh, so he wants uh, three pilau rice and three pishwari naans. Yeah, correct. Uh, the second question was, who was Mark saying that he was when he was doing the role play thing with Daryl in the office? He was like, I'm somebody. Uh, so I'm Barnes Wallace. You're the. Uh... Yeah, we talked about that one earlier, so I thought yeah. you might get that one. <laughs> okay, these are these are my crazily obscure questions. Oh, God. Right. So, who was the last friend that Mark made? He te- he says he says to um, as Daryl walks out of the studio, he's like, "There goes a friend. My, my last friend was this person." I know this. And he says the name and the year that it was in. It's Nick Bickford. Yeah. In uh, in '96. Oh mate, that's so obscure. <laughs> no, I never thought you were gonna get that. Um, okay, this one. If you get this one, I think like we shut this podcast down now. Like this, we, our, our knowledge has just become too ridiculous. Okay, come on. So one of the last scenes when they go into Gog's block of flats, and there is something. There's a writing on the wall of the block of flats as they go in. Can you tell me? It's a, so it's like a brick building, and there's white writing on the wall. What does the white writing say? Oh, I've got absolutely <laughs> no idea. It says, it says Spratt's Patent Limited. Wow. No, never in a million years was I going to get that. No, I thought that one was just like the absolute... <laughs> I peaked like, at Nick Bigfoot. <laughs> I was impressed you knew that one. I was really <clears> impressed. Um, so, yeah, well done. That was a good solid I, three out of four. Like. I was very nervous going into that after you were saying it was going to be really hard. So, yeah, I feel quite yeah. quite proud of myself. There. I need to up my game again next no, week. No, 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 that's fine. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> so, that's, yeah, that's the end of the episode and the end of the quiz um thank you for all joining us as always if you haven't already and i'm i'm sure i'm I'm hoping a lot of you already have please subscribe to the podcast but the main thing we'd really love for people to do though is to leave a written review if you've been enjoying what you uh, what we've been doing um if you could just spare a minute to leave us a, a written review that really does help us out helps the show's reach and it only takes just a few seconds and we'd we'd greatly appreciate it so um yeah yeah. And if you're liking the show as well, please spread the word. If you've got any friends or family who love Peep Show just as much as you, then just tell them about the show. Yep. And as usual, get in touch with us in all the usual ways. If you want to send us an email, email us at podcastsecretsofthepharaohs at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Podcast Pharaohs. Or on Facebook, you can find us simply by searching Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. Okay. So join us next week as we take a look at episode three of series two, which is called Local Zero. So there we are. Thanks once again for tuning in and thank you for joining me, Rob. You're not supposed to do that, Daryl. You know you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) 